0: Ra rah, rah!
1: What's up, Brad? It's been a while. It has been a while. I am super jet-lagged. Well, I was super jet-lagged. Now I just think I'm hungover.
0: You know, the traveling you've been doing, it takes a long... They say it takes like, um... Well, I don't know. It takes like, if you travel to the East, it takes like a week to get over your jet-lag.
1: Well, I think I was like... Yeah, I was seven hours different, and then I was back here for one day, and then I went to Japan, which is 13 hours behind... (laughs)
0: So, yeah, it's like a day-per-hour difference or something like that. So
1: it's going to take me there's a couple weeks. like a formula, weeks. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the nice. other night I stayed up. I went to bed at 11, didn't fall asleep at all, and then at like 6 in the morning just went to yoga and then came home and slept from like 10 a.m. to like 5 in the afternoon.
0: Yeah, there's nothing you can do.
1: Man. Luckily I work from home so I can kind of sleep whenever I want, but it, I feel like it's preventing me from... I think I'm just going to stay on the schedule forever. You
0: got to you gotta get up and get in the sun, man, as soon as possible. It's the only way you get your rhythms back. Really? But you're still going to just feel like, yeah, you're just going to feel that way.
1: Well, I drank a bunch of Evan Williams last night at St. Vitus, so I'm sure that's helping. That probably will help. I saw Earth play with Holy Suns. Wow. It was pretty. It's,
0: it's pretty very celestial.
1: Thing. Yeah, it was very <laughs> celestial. <laughs> Um, How are things with you, Brad? Oh,
0: so busy. (laughs) Yeah, Brad's
1: been super busy having a a job where he can't sleep all day.
0: Uh, We're going to have, like, in September, we're doing 12 iconic recording studios all over the world all at the same time. Really? Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. And we're flying bands to all of them from, like, all over the world. It's just this giant crisscross web of
1: craziness. Where can people learn more about that? Brad?
0: Uh, Converse.com slash rubber tracks. Slash
1: rubber tracks. Nice.
0: And you can also apply to record at Brooklyn or Boston. Yeah, come record. come record For here. free? For here, for free. It's too late to get into the iconic studios, but... Yeah. We do pop-ups all over the place, so like, you know, if you live in Montreal, Toronto, LA, any of those places, we're doing stuff there. Very cool. Wow, oh, we just did an ad for Converse rubber tracks. Yeah, that sounded very natural. I know. <laughs> I feel like,
1: uh, yeah, I feel like it's e- it's easy to do ads for stuff that people actually would want and are free. Yeah, It doesn't so. feel like an ad, it feels like a PSA or something.
0: Right. Like, here's where you can get your free stuff. Here's where you can get your free stuff. It's good to know.
1: Yes. Um, today on the podcast. Speaking of free stuff. Speaking of free stuff. This podcast is free. This podcast is free. Although you can give us money because, uh, our server space is not free.
0: Even if you don't have a playback device, you can go to your local library and listen there.
1: (laughs) You can. Maybe you're listening at your local library
0: now. Um, Can you do that? Do they have headphones? I can't imagine you'd be allowed to just, like, listen on the speakers. They should. Or you should just get headphones. You can get cheap headphones for, like,
1: ten bucks. Like, bring your own headphones to the library. You don't want to use other...
0: It's not free, then.
1: Yeah, that's true. But you could find earbuds on the sidewalk. You could probably find my earbuds. (laughs) I I lost them today. They're on the sidewalk somewhere, yeah. There you go, man. Yeah um go where jonah goes go where i go uh today on the podcast we have uh our friend colin who plays in a band called circus Survive. um you're probably familiar with very popular band Mm -hmm. and we had a guest host steak mountain who's an artist who's um done artwork for against me a bunch of bands and colin from circus is also an artist so I kind of stayed out of this one a little bit to an extent and let those dudes kind of talk about art and their process. And, uh, and then Colin gave me an original painting, which was really cool of them. Ooh. Yeah. And, uh, if you're a fan of Circa, they're in October, they're doing the 10 year anniversary tour for, um, I, I can't pronounce this album title <laughs> and I feel really bad, but it's
0: J- J- Juturna? <laughs> I don't know. I just looked it up. Juturna
1: J U T U R N A. Just call it
0: Anniversary Tour. Yeah.
1: And they're doing a ten year anniversary tour. That's all you gotta know. It starts in late October. It's coming to Best Buy Theater here and it's going all over the place. Um Anthony's been on the podcast before. They're all awesome dudes, friends of the podcast, so they definitely don't need our help. But <laughs> you should go. And you should check out Colin's artwork. Um He's got a site with all of his stuff. Check that out, and uh, check out Steg Mountain stuff too. And I'm going to shut this podcast. I'm going to shut up now, <laughs> so you can check out this podcast. Exactly. Yeah. All right. It's going on track! Okay, here we are yes. with Christopher Norris mm-hmm. and Colin from Circus Survive. <laughs> <laughs>
2: How's it going, it's dudes? It's going awesome.
1: Excellent. Awesome. Um and we've had Anthony on the podcast before. Awesome. But this is your first time on, so thanks yeah. for coming by.
2: Yeah. Dude, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Yes. And, um, yeah, I thought Chris would be good because in addition to all the circus stuff, you do a ton of art stuff.
2: Yeah. I try. Um, it started out just like as like a little, like, kind of just like a hobby, um, way to kill time a few years back. I mean, I liked it as a kid, too, but it was never anything serious and then just gradually over time became more and more obsessed with it and became like a just like a a secondary channel for me
3: so it's only been a couple years
2: um i've been doing i i would say i call myself like you know i started calling myself an artist you know maybe like in 2008 2009 you know it took a lot of like kind of courage to say that i felt like for a while that i was just kind of faking it you know, sure. I, yeah. And I still, I still feel like that actually. Yeah, no, no,
3: no. I always feel that way about anything else that I ever do, like uh, with like with like writing or something like that. I would, I do a lot of it, but I would fucking. I'm not yeah. Jonah. Yeah, you know dude. What I mean? I, well, yeah.
1: I, I'm so insecure too. Like, I still don't like when I call myself a writer. I'm like, I guess I'm a writer. It's like I'm doing this profession for like 15 yeah, I was years.
3: Yeah. you're a writer. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how I always like. That's what I look at you as. And then, rad guitarist, good dude. You yeah. know what I mean? All these things that fall after it, but. That's yeah. I always have that problem too with anything else I do. I I actually have a hard time even calling myself an artist because I don't feel like I do it professionally either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though I've been doing it for twenty years with like bands and stuff like that, I'm always like, when people like, "Oh, what do you do?" I'm like, "Oh, I got this really cool day job. Uh, You know, I'm an equipment room manager." And then my wife is always like, "Motherfucker." I I know,
1: right. (laughs) Dude, once your art is on watches that people are selling, if they that you're legit.
3: Sure. Not that you're not
2: legit too, (laughs) Connor. No, no, definitely. I
3: I would say more legit because you paint, right? That's what that's
2: I I paint. I do um I mean I, I do like a lot of illustration stuff too. Um and I started getting into like design and stuff over the past few years, um, as I got more comfortable with pen and ink and um you know, once I felt like I could do it the right way um, and something that like, I guess that's always my goal, like trying to make something that if I saw it, I'd be like, that's cool. You know what I mean? Right, um, you make
3: you make what you want to see. Yeah. Which is the best kind of exactly. way to, you know, it's like, it's that, it's, there's an enthusiasm in that always in anybody that it's like, for me, it's like, I always really like, I'd rather see uh, somebody who is enthusiastic rather than you know and it has like a point like they see they want to see even if they don't have the skill to do it at that point they work towards it and they make it happen yeah you know i mean so there's this great enthusiasm so i always i always find stuff like that is really awesome especially when you're coming into something from the side yeah you know i mean like that's how you i mean that's how most punk kids do it you're coming in through the fucking side no one knows how to do anything i was just gonna (laughs) say yeah
2: punk rock was definitely i don't think if i had if i hadn't gone through um you know punk rock academy i don't think i would have had the balls to be like i'm just gonna try that now and go do that and put that out and i feel like it is that that confidence of like the same thing that you know a 15 year old who like records his own demo and puts it out like in a cassette that they photocopied at staples or whatever like it's that same kind of like confidence or just like i don't give a shit i'm putting this out kind of feeling that provoked me to make art
3: you yeah. know, so it's, it's probably the the best ground floor for any kid ever is and it's so corny to say but it's like being a punk gives you like it's it, you lose a rule book you know what yeah. I mean? and so it's always cool to be able to tackle whatever you know whatever option is there
2: absolutely you know, I mean, if
3: you you really can't it's so stupid to say you know, follow your dreams. Yeah. Your passions, you know what I mean. But <laughs> like, good. realistically, for such a nihilistic kind of approach that punk rock kind of instills in you, is like this hatred for the world. It also gives you like this blind confidence that it doesn't really matter if you fuck up. Yeah, because that's actually the best part about it. Is like,
2: wow, <laughs> whoops, absolutely. You know what I mean, like. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's like part part punk rock handbook, part like Joseph Campbell, like <laughs> sure. you know, follow your bliss. That whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I found like more so like through my dad and less through Oprah.
3: You,
2: know? <laughs> right, well.
3: but, you know. Oprah's good, but you know, yeah. dad's did, a little better.
1: We did a podcast too. Oh, I think it was Chris Conley and oh, it was Joseph Campbell for like a half hour. Like, Dude.
2: Well, when he gets, when Chris gets obsessed with something, that's yeah. all that's all you're, you're going to hear about. And he, he has such a great like wide variety of interests that he's just one of my favorite people that's like
3: hero's journey stuff right yeah exactly what they teach um, you in screenwriting pretty
2: much like yeah um, or any kind of he's like just one fictional. of those guys that his philosophy penetrated um you know mainstream society in all these kind of subversive ways because he was basically Advising some of the you know most influential directors and stuff like that, like he definitely had a big hand in the Star Wars stuff, and, right?
3: Lucas and yeah. the Apocalypse Now, obviously, exactly and
1: stuff like
2: that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. What what was sort of his
3: message?
2: Um, you know, I th- I think he had a, a, quite a bit of messages, but I think what was probably most influential in our culture was just establishing the hero's journey, um, and kind of like uh the the hero has a thousand faces kind of this idea that we're just constantly um retelling this story that's kind of like an through archetype you know which is like um hero uh faces problem uh leaves kind of like leaves everything they know um and then has to kind of like re-establish, find their way and there's kind of just this, this conquest story that happens um individual kind of uh yeah saga, which is like you can go all the way back to like Jesus and you know it's just been there since the beginning of time and we just keep retelling it in so many different ways and um, novels and movies and even art you know music there's always kind of this baseline uh hero's journey that is uh seemingly replaying itself over and over again and he kind of ties that to almost like a spiritual uh concept um i don't know it's crazy everyone should read joseph campbell at least a little bit i think
3: yeah and they throw it on you like when you're looking at like for me you know it's because i've been doing a lot of you know, screenplay writing and stuff like that and just even looking at books you see that stuff his name get thrown around all the time where it's like talking about that that three-act structure but what needs to happen you know what i mean after x yeah. amount of pages you need to be like give him the problem uh, and exactly. the problem needs to be resolved and he loses his way he's got to find it back and conquer the problem and it's and like, just you when you think this.
2: he's getting there yeah. that's the dark night of the soul yeah <laughs> like, exactly yeah you know, absolutely. it's like
3: it's cool it's super interesting stuff yeah it's the kind of stuff that you don't really think about until it's like you know you do your homework and you tie it back and you're like, oh okay yeah yeah, that all makes sense so everybody there is really only 10 stories to tell yeah exactly
2: it's like there's and there's only so many chords you know what i mean like you're gonna you're gonna (laughs) reuse them and make your one unique thing or whatever but ultimately we're all like pulling from these things that are kind of um they're all they're all similar yeah absolutely and across so many cultures which is fascinating you know
1: yeah that's really interesting i mean how how would you sort of say the band kind of like has has informed your art? I mean, do, I mean, obviously it maybe it affords you like the time to be able to work on it totally. logistically, but do you think it kind of informs it from a creative standpoint as well?
2: Or is this um, a different outlet? Definitely informs it. Um I think I think for a long time um I was looking for an identity outside of the band, you know? And I I I've come to realize that that's such a foolish endeavor just because um a big part of my identity is um being in this band and um I think for a while I was just kind of trying to find like something that was just mine and just a way to say things that I didn't have to check with four other guys to make sure that they agreed with me you know <laughs> um and also I think being kind of like a shy introvert drummer in the beginning, you know, before I was in Circa, I was a drummer. So it was really easy to kind of hide and be a little more, you know, autonomous and, um, just, uh, and and anonymous, you know? Um, so I think art kind of gave me this way of like, I could make a painting and then if it was in a show or something, um, I could be in the same room as somebody who's looking at it and they don't even know that I made it and I can just kind of watch them and see how they take it in. And, um, it's just completely different, you know, so it's very personal, but also very impersonal. And there was something about that that I really liked. But, um, I think throughout the years now more than ever, I feel like I've learned, I've got a certain confidence from, Everything I've learned in the band, which is kind of trusting your gut and making making stuff that really fulfills a certain uh, desire inside of me, you know, and not worrying about what other people are going to think about it, not worrying about like if it's going to sell. That's a huge thing I've learned from the band. You know, the second you you worry about something selling. Is you're like almost dooming it in a way, you know, and maybe there's certain people that that's completely the opposite, you know, and that's like I coming from, you know, I took a a year of foundation art, you know, um, in in college, and I eventually quit because I couldn't take it because I was basically going towards a graphic design um, career. And it just killed me. It just, it really, because it was so based on selling and it was so based on pleasing a client. And, um, you know, since then, since going away from it, I've kind of dipped my finger back in it at at times and worked with clients, done like gig posters and stuff for people and, um, t-shirt designs for people and stuff like that. And it does feel good to nail something that somebody wants or just like be given freedom and, and nail it or whatever. Or even doing a commission painting, same thing. But I will say, for personal work, there's no better feeling than not caring whether or not it sells, and really making something for you, and and that's it. Um, so I think that's probably what I learned through the band.
3: You know? So you've never you don't do any of the band's work.
2: Um, I've done a few like merch designs but luckily we have a genius who does all of our album covers It yeah, was uh, some
3: crazy name right
2: uh, Esau Andrews yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah brilliant <laughs> well, guy well the Andrews part not so fucking crazy <laughs> but the, but the front runner there is uh, you know. Esau that, that name has definitely thrown a lot of people for a loop yeah. um, and then um, you know once you learn it you're like oh yeah okay that's kind of easy but for whatever reason just looking at it you're like Esau Esau yeah, <laughs> yeah, is high, the E silent <laughs> like he gets that all the time But um, so
3: would you say that 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 work is something that influenced you, like what you do, like, definitely because that stuff's like super pop surrealism,
2: absolutely. And I've always been interested in surrealism, but I think Esau as a person has influenced me a lot too. He's almost, in a way, a mentor to me, um, because he was the only person I knew that was doing fine art on that level that I had such easy access to. So I would ask him questions constantly, and um. And showing my work as I was working on it and, and and vice versa. He shows me his stuff while while he's working on it. And I get this glimpse into, you know... I mean, there's no better lesson to learn as a painter than that knowing that that awkward stage exists. Like, mm-hmm. oh, when you're painting something, um, there's this certain period of time, especially if it's a, a figurative painting and you're trying to do a person. It's going to look real weird for a little bit until you add in those you know highlights and the shadows and everything else sometimes you're like oh this head looks huge like why does it look like this and (laughs) and then you're like oh but then as you start filling it in you're like oh no that looks right that looks correct um doing anything with a a certain sense of realism i feel like it's gonna look bizarre at a certain point Mm -hmm. and you just have to have you know okay just follow through just keep going um so yeah i don't know i've learned a lot of stuff from him um do you, do you do painting as well? or
3: No, I did years and years and years ago. Um, most of my work is uh, these days, or in the past X amount of time, uh, 20-some odd years, is mostly design work. Uh-huh. But I would never, again, I would never call myself a designer.
2: But I do, <laughs>
3: I, I will concede to say that I'm a graphic artist. That's awesome. You know what I mean? In the yeah. sense that, but my stuff was all super backdoored, but uh, in the sense that, like, my shitty bands needed art and I wouldn't trust anybody else to do it. You no, know, I was an art kid. I grew up as an art kid. That's great. Drawing pictures, wanting to be a shitty comic book artist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Gave it up for a bunch of years, then ended up in bands, and then was like, well, yeah. You, you fucking idiots. I'm not yeah. giving you any fucking chances here. <laughs> I'm gonna do this. I'm the one with the art background. And then it just kind of steamrolled from there, and then when I stopped being in bands yeah. is when it just kind of ended up, you know, working with like Joe. I did stuff for Jonah's band, I do stuff for against me, like bands awesome. like that. So, you know, it's like but I, I I haven't painted in a really a long time. There was a stretch at a show in Brooklyn here, like nine years ago, where I did a bunch of watercolor stuff. Nice, you know, just because I yeah. I really like the immediacy of it, and it's awesome. Slapdash, but color. dealing in oils and, and and layering and that stuff. I haven't done that since high school.
2: Like yeah, like 20,
3: 30 years, not thirty, but twenty five years ago, maybe. So
2: do you do um, do you do a pen and ink, or do you do like a Wacom, or like? Um.
3: Well, it. <laughs> It kind of depends, Com- you know. of everything? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of everything, you know what I mean? I think, like, I don't know, I I feel like I don't do one thing, even though I feel like I just really actually do one thing, but I, you know, it's like, I'll, I'll switch, you know what I mean? Because it kind of depends. Yeah. My main focus recently has been working with Against Me, and I haven't really taken many other clients on, so that nice. aesthetic has always been one of those things where it's like, you know, it's a lot of cut and paste, and a lot of like. That's awesome. I've been able to fake Xerox after years of using Photoshop. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. Like, Absolutely. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So not have to go to Kinkos anymore and fuck with things and just make things look bad when yeah. they didn't need to be looking bad. Sure. Um. So it just depends. You know, it's like personal shows. I've had like, you know, uh, you know, drawing shows and things like that. You know, nice. and that's been a couple of years since that too. But, but yeah, but the uh, painting is something I always really like because it it it's like. Uh, it's so focused I, I like the idea of painting yeah i don't know if i'd have the the attention span for it these days because because yeah. i can get to the end so quick with my process sure. now so it's like you know sometimes i'm just like well, i know I that could, feeling i man. could do four, 15 of these yeah or i could spend a really long time making one beautiful painting and then it's like like you're saying like there's like a confidence or maybe like the process or like i know that at some point in time i feel like and i can't be positive of this because i haven't done it in so fucking long but yeah. If I was, I'd probably get to that awkward stage and be like,
2: "Yeah,
3: okay, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something else." Actually, yeah. I don't know. This fucking dog looks stupid. Right. You know what I mean? they <laughs> like, well,
2: or whatever. I've, I think that's kind of the cool thing, though, is um, is seeing where people go with that. Because um, then I, 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 don't know, I get fascinated by all all different types of art, and um, I think. It's interesting to me, like, because I started out way more abstract, like, way more abstract, and I just kept kind of tightening and tightening and tightening, I think, out of um, a feeling of, like, well, if I'm going to do abstract work, I want it to be completely by choice and not by feeling limited, you know, because I I think I grew up, I think it was that thing with with punk and, and, you know, with playing drums and playing guitar that still to this day, like, I cannot shred I am not a shredder. <laughs> I am like a way more like rhythm based like textural kind of guitar player and when it comes to drums, I'm a meat and potatoes kind of drummer you know um, and I think that with art something started clicking with me where I started seeing I could actually improve and see improvement really quickly and for whatever reason it it made me want to. I want to see how realistic I can make something look, you know, and just kept going. And now, now that I proved to myself, okay, I can paint a flower really well. I can paint an eyeball really well. I can paint like butterflies, animals, like all this stuff and make it look realistic. I know what I can do, but now I'm feeling the need like, okay, but the if I spend, you know, a month painting something and making it look perfect, I'm like, why didn't I just take a picture? You know what I mean? So I'm pulling it back now again and getting getting more into that expressive side of like, okay, I'll make one thing look re- re- very realistic, but then I'll make something else look totally bananas. Like just whatever, you know, use no reference for something and try to use it out of my mind and stuff. Um, but I think like, to me, one of the biggest tools that I use as a painter is Photoshop, you know, because, and this is something Esau kind of this is a huge thing he he showed me was just mocking up your ideas in photoshop by doing digital cut and paste you mm-hmm. know um i start my first kind of you know intro to art was cut and paste you know doing collage work for like my friends doing flyers or like i remember um before circuit even started anthony had a little side project called high and driving and he was like i have no merch uh, do you think you could make me like a couple of those cool collages and just like put high and driving on it and I can sell those? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. Like, so that was like my first, like, you know, almost a poster design, you know, was doing that. So now anytime I have an idea for, um, a painting, I'll just start doing image searches or I'll flip through books and like use like a, I have an app called scanner pro, um, on my phone and snap like a high res photo of it and then send it to myself and then start, digitally cutting and pasting, put together what I want kind of the general idea of the painting to look like. And then that's my reference, you know, so it's so, like your demo pretty much. Exactly. Wow, That's interesting. Yeah. It's,
3: which is like, a thing. I mean, that's like, a, that's, that's, that's common. That's like helpful. And I think that that's what people don't, I don't know if you, if, if you have a naysayer looking at it outside of it it almost seems like
2: you're cheating. Right. But you but you know it's really you,
3: you need it. It's you're not using a tool. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's just another tool, you know what I mean, and it, it still is based around like it's like sampling.
2: Absolutely. You know what I mean?
3: It's like, you know, you take a sample and you tr- you know, it's like well, not um, where you took it from, it's where you take it. Do you, you know, there, kind there's of almost provide.
2: no, I mean, for me now because I, I live on an opposite coast from the other guys in the band, mm-hmm. so when we put together ideas for songs more and more so we're using like, um, okay, we're using MIDI tracks and we're using, um, you know, like drum, like like a, like a drummer brain, you know, just to write out ideas. And then obviously, once we're in the studio, we're all playing it. Yeah. Now, I don't think anyone would sit there and say, oh, that's cheating, because basically all you're doing is like, this is my rough sketch. Yeah. You know what absolutely. I mean? That's all it is. And, um, you know, I think... It's another one of those things where I want to tell everyone about the Photoshop thing, especially young artists, because I'm like, I remember being so feeling so defeated Mm -hmm. by looking at certain people's stuff and being like, I could never think of that. And if I could think of it, there's no way I could ever execute that. But it's like, everything that exists today, in my opinion, is free game. You know what I mean? Like, use everything to your advantage. Um, I think all of us eventually will... You know, pick and choose as to what we feel like makes us feel good at the end of the day. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's but, like,
3: it's honing a style. Yeah. yeah everybody does it. You, everything's crazy. Yeah. And then you just cut off what you don't need and you start absolutely. working towards it. And that's, yeah, it's absolutely. It's and then like you have your styles. process. Yeah, the process and the, and the, finding your style is actually the hardest part.
2: Um, yeah,
3: It's not even ideas that are hard. Yeah. It's really uh, finding your style holding on to it yeah (laughs) you know what i mean
2: yeah good luck with that and
3: then being like okay so then what the fuck do i paint you know what i mean it's like because that once you feel confident in your style and you feel like you actually can do anything like you're saying more and more realistic and things like once you get to that spot once you feel like you're that in that spot yeah and it's actually amazing when you think that you're in that spot and you look at something like years later yeah and you're like man i really thought i was in that spot
2: dude oh my god that's fucking
3: terrible that is (laughs) you know i mean
2: that is like that is the creative person's journey right yeah, there. You absolutely. Know, every time you think you're getting close to it, it's like, all right, 10 years from now, I'm going to look at this, and it's going to be like, <clears throat> really? yeah, yeah, What was I doing?
3: But you it's know. super important also to, to, and this is the part where, especially when you feel like you're established or you feel like you have some talent, you feel like you have something to show everybody, the, the part that you've got to remember is, like, uh, is, is that it's 100% legit to never be happy.
2: Absolutely. You know
3: what I mean? If you're actually happy with what you did, one hundred percent happy. Yeah. You can be like, yeah, all right, all right I did all right. I yeah. know when I did all right. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I look back at things and I go, yeah, I guess that's still all right. Yeah, for then, you know what I mean. But it's like if you ever are actually one hundred, you're fucking done. You should just stop doing whatever the fuck you're doing if you think you're actually the greatest. Yeah. Sorry, Kanye. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. It's like it's these elements. You know what I mean. That's like it, that's super important. To always remember is that it's it's like finding the the ease of use and being totally unhappy with being creative, but not beating yourself up about it. Cause there's actually nothing worse than a mopey ass depressive creative. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who's just, you're just a cliche. Yeah. You're just fucking corny. Yeah. You're super corny at that point. <laughs> it's all right to be down on yourself. You know what I mean? But it's like, there's a, a drive that you have to retain obviously. Yeah. And part of that is being all right with not being good enough. <laughs> you know that, what I mean absolutely <laughs> yeah that's really
1: reassuring to hear because I was just having this conversation with someone I was like I had just finished I don't know what it was like a song or something and they were like oh that must feel so good I was like what do you mean yeah they're like do you just like have a moment where you're like that was great I was like no never I was like I just I'm like yeah I gotta worry about this other thing like <laughs> yeah. what's the next thing yeah, and he's yeah, like yeah. you should take a second and like acknowledge it and I was like it's like, I don't know, that seems like self-congratulatory, blah, blah. And she was like, you know, actually, like, that's healthy. Like, you should take yeah. a second and be like, okay, I did this. Mm-hmm. You can move on. And I'm, it's I've been, like, trying to, like, remember to do that because it's so hard.
3: It is. But it's important. And it's, it's actually, it's, it's so cool now, actually, to me, or maybe how my mind works, is that things move so fucking fast now mm-hmm. that you could finish something on a fucking Monday, forget about it by Thursday, and be able to look at it with fresh eyes. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you had so much happen to you. In three days, especially if you're a creative who's got, like, a drive and you're moving, you're moving, and then with all the fucking, your stupid phone, the fucking TV, and you're in New York or in a big city and everything's like, by the time, you know, like, Thursday comes around, I'll look at something and be like, yeah, all right. All right. You don't have to wait three or four months now to be like, I'm going to go back on that. You know what I mean? There are things that you can do that with, but, but it is good to be able to, like, sit there and, 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 I don't know, that comes, to me, that comes with, with experience. Yeah. Being able to do that comes with experience. I don't know, you can't be like a kid two months in and, and do that. No. At that point you just have to be stupid enough to know that you think that you're alright. Yeah. Until you've done a couple <laughs> things and then get in, you're well greased up and you're oiled and then you're and fucking a couple years later. Just let
2: that dissatisfaction fuel you. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. then
3: be able to do that because I feel like you, you've got to have things under your belt even if you've never released anything. It's not about output publicly. It's about what you have in your portfolio sitting in the fucking closet that you're you just keep on dumping back you know what I mean? Or whatever your fucking, your giant fucking garage band fucking folder. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And things like that are just depending on a writing folder, anything, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, I feel like that to me, that's like, it's not necessarily a mature thing, but you, you got, you got to be off the crutches, you know, to be able to, to actually enjoy or even look at, or have it make sense that you looked at it. You know what I mean? Or maybe you're that tuned. I've never met anybody that fucking tuned in their, into their creativity where they just, actually, that's not true but <laughs> it's there is ra- a, it's, there's rare. A, it's super fucking rare yeah. like i met a dude uh, there's a dude in tampa and he played in this great grand core band uh named assuck and they were they're fucking legends so if you yeah, yeah right so the, i yes. mean misery index is my favorite record of all
2: time it's so of all good. time
3: and i was there on the ground floor with those guys i was i toured with them i did all kinds of great things just being like a scrappy little kid that drummer rob proctor I mean, there are no fucking there's no there's no triggered drums. That motherfucker is hitting that hard, he's hitting it that in time, it's fucking insane. And then one day he just literally was like, you know
0: what, I don't want to do this
3: anymore. And when Asak like, broke up, he just picked up a guitar and wrote like a nuclear assault record. Yeah. And he was that good immediately and he'd be able to look at it. It's like sometimes you know some people are just that good, but that good, that enigma. Yeah. It's it's rare. It's super fucking rare. And it's exciting to see. And and helpful to make yourself feel bad and drive yourself <laughs> exactly. as well. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the measuring stick of that is like, oh, well, I'll never do that. But maybe I could do something like
2: that. Yeah. You know? Well, I think, I don't know, something that I started thinking about while you were talking. Um, did either of you guys see that movie, um, While We're Young? Yeah. No, Recently? I didn't. Yeah. I thought that that was, um, there's, well, it's basically just about an, an older couple who are kind of like, are kind of like uh you know, i guess you could say they, they're kind of like artsy and like uh one of them's like a documentary filmmaker and he's kind of from the old school it's played by ben stiller and he's he's he, he's like going on a decade on this this documentary that he's <laughs> making you know and then they meet this younger couple um and it starts kind of like inspiring them like they're like that's kind of like what we were like when we were younger but like They start engaging in the modern age through them, you know, like they see them like just all their hipsterisms, you know, like and um, the guy is the younger guy is also a documentary filmmaker, but he makes them like like that. And he's just turning them out and like they're like pretty good, you know, and like for every idea he has, he makes a short or he makes a whatever about it and his prolificness is kind of like. I don't want to give away the whole movie, but basically, like, that's one thing that really stuck out to me is like, oh, yeah, like, that used to be the old way. Like, you you take five years on a record and you take, like, however long, like a decade on a movie and, like, all this stuff. Um, and that's just not the way it is anymore. And I kind of love it. You know what I mean? Like, um, with Circa, for example, like, we once made a record that took four years from, from beginning to end. You know, like from the time we started writing it to the time we put it out. It was like... Which record was that? Blue Sky Noise. Okay. So we had taken two years off pretty much to kind of like let the dust settle. Um, you know, we, we got new management. We, got, we were free agents from Equal Vision and we were taking meetings um, and figuring out all this stuff. Um, but we also had been touring nonstop Um, for, like, four years. Sorry, I'm just trying to turn this off. Um, So we we had done, like, the two records in four years, like, touring constantly, and... (laughs) 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 Fucking phone! (laughs) God damn it! (laughs) It's just getting officially turned off <laughs> which i almost never do these days which is, feels awesome all right um, i
3: do it from 6 p.m on every night that's really so, i'm yeah. so jealous so if you yeah. text me or something like that or you're emailing me you don't hear from me that's because i i when i when i had a job because i actually today was my last day of work um my last day job day of work <laughs> um every night i you know i'd get home from work and once my wife was home i'd be like well if anybody really needs to fucking get a hold of me yeah. It's too fucking, I turn the, I turn the phone off every night. Yeah. Wow. It'll still happen that way because she'll still come home at six PM after I've been sitting in front of the TV all day getting fatter <laughs> and on unemployment. <laughs> you know that, what I mean? That's that's my amazing. Plan, Summer, Chris. Hell
2: yeah. And um
3: but yeah, that's what yeah, it's like it's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's like the best thing in the world to be able to just be like, all right, I'm turning. I like don't I don't put it on fucking airplane or not, I it's off. I'm taking and if a- somebody dies don't worry, I'll hear about it eventually. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'll hear not about much. It you can do at 7 p.m. the next day you know, when I turn it back on again. Wow. When
2: I go home, I'm going to do baby steps towards like the weekend. And if I can do the weekend, then I'll start moving into time periods during the week. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's one of those things for me where the only thing keeping me from doing that is is being on a separate coast from my family, um, which it just makes me nervous to if they couldn't get in touch with me. But then I'm like, literally weeks will go by and they don't even text me you know what i mean and i'm like
1: i think i'm all right you know lucas told me about this thing where he's he's like i won't check my phone for the first hour i'm awake It's great and that's actually a pretty good one too because i'll try to like like i'll meditate i'll read a little like i'll make breakfast because it's like when you check it it's like you're like oh i gotta do this i gotta do this like as soon as you look at it you Mm -hmm. automatically are gonna get stressed out
3: yeah Yeah. or fall down the fucking rabbit hole so quickly if something does interest you which is so rare these days for all of us, you know what I mean? Because there's so much. It's like, what really interests you now? You're like, oh cool, BuzzFeed has this like to you know which fucking pop punk guy are you? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah and then you get yeah. caught in that at fucking eight a.m. You know what I mean? But like, but those those moments, yeah. It's like, it, 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 yeah, that's a good. I like I like Lucas's point. That's cool. Like because it's like I want to start doing that too. <laughs> Turn that thing on and walk the fuck away. Yeah. And there's a whole walk movement of people
1: who have like gone back to flip phones too. Yeah. Ooh.
3: I like Crazy. that yeah, too. Like,
1: there's this comedian, Ari Shaffir. I listen to his podcast a lot, mm-hmm. and he he went back to a flip phone. I think he recently upgraded a little, but he's like, I love it. He's like, I can. He's like, I do Instagram and Twitter and stuff just when I'm at a computer. Yep. And then when I'm on my phone, I can text and stuff, but that's it. And he's like, I get pictures. They look like shit. Yeah. Like, but <laughs> he said the only bummer is like, like using Uber and stuff. He's like, I can use it to like on a computer to get picked up. But if I'm somewhere, I can't use it on my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I also have the worst sense of direction. So I'm always lost. Yeah. So having GPS too. is kind of nice, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh,
2: Colin, what were you saying? Sorry. No, no. No, no. First of all, ironically, it was the phone's fault. Not <laughs> you. It's true, it's true. And secondly, that's a great segue back because <laughs> going back to flip phones is kind of like another theme. Like, not that specifically, but the resurgence of old dead technology is like kind of almost a hipster thing. Like, they're like... You, and it's so amazing um, the way they show it in the film because, like there's just this moment it's so poignant like where the older couple is sitting in bed and he for like an hour and a half is searching netflix or apple tv trying to find something to watch and the young couple just (laughs) picks up a vhs and puts it in and they're just watching a like some great old like you know night of the living dead or some some horror movie whatever and just that it just clicks so so easily when you see that and it's like Oh, it's not about being hip like that's actually is something amazing about older technology is that you don't have you're not overwhelmed with like all these choices you know and that brings me to like music too like you know I got rid of my physical CD collection years ago because like after moving a bunch, like I just couldn't do it anymore. You know, I, I couldn't drag them with me. Um, you know, I have a vinyl collection. It's a lot smaller than my CDs ever was. But like essentially I moved to, to digital music, you know, and the problem with that is that I forget about half the stuff that I love, you know what I mean? And I'm just kind of like I get sucked into what what's new, check it out, but ultimately I don't. I don't covet records the way I used to. And it's been bothering me lately where I'm like, I used to just, I knew so many songs. And so like, I knew exactly what moment and what album to put on in a certain time, you know, whatever would be perfect for a drive or for a hangout or whatever. And now it's like, I'm just lost. I'm like, what's the playlist I made? like, I don't even know what to put on. Like, what's that song called? I I don't know. Just like, I think it's track six. I don't know. Like, I'm like, it's just too much, you know, but, um, i think what i was getting at was that i love the i do love the immediacy um like and that's another thing that's great about the movie i don't want to make this all about the movie but that they kind of shine <laughs> no the light you owe
3: us money <laughs> <laughs> they, they shine the
2: light on both extremes because they show you that that beauty of what's being lost but then they also say well some stuff should go like we don't need bloated budgets and we don't need like five years to make an album you know um you know, granted that was our major label record and we were like, spin the wheel, let's do it. Like, (laughs) big time Grammy Award winning producer, yeah! Like, four months in a studio, hell yeah. Like, everything was just like, go, go, like, spend the budget, who cares? You know, we're never going to see this back. Like, that was the (laughs) kind of the way we saw it. Like, this is our opportunity to have our big major label record and do everything we want to do. And we, you know... We had no misconceptions about it. We we're like, we were probably going to get dropped after this because that's how it goes. But let's enjoy it. Let's have fun. Let's make a record with somebody we we like, totally respect and love, and take every dollar that we want to do what we're doing because we'll probably never get this opportunity again. And um, that's what we did. And ironically, they wanted us to stay, but we had uh, we had one of these amazing moments in in history where. They wanted us to take less than what they had promised in the contract, which put them in breach. And we had the opportunity to take less and stay on the label or walk. And we were just like, see ya. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, Because like it was a great experience, but ultimately we were like, not even because we wanted to go. It was just like, oh, we can now have another new experience. Who knows what it's going to be. Maybe it'll be another major. Maybe it'll be an indie Maybe we'll self-release, which is what we wound up doing, um, which was super awesome and exciting. And, um, but con- contrasting that process of that record, you know, I think it was three hundred thousand dollars was spent on making that record, and almost four years of you know a few humans' lives. We just made a record, which I think is our best record, and we basically wrote it in the studio. And we basically spent two months on it. And we basically spent around $20,000 on it. And to me, you put them right up to each other. And I actually think the new record smokes the other one as far as sonically. So, you know, that's... That's like... To me, I'm proud that we're a band that's been around for a decade that can let go of old habits and try new things and be like, no, this is the way we should be doing things now. Like, it doesn't make sense to do that other thing. You know, we don't have four years to sit on a record and we don't want to because we can make a great record in two months. Uh, so,
1: yeah. Although you did get to work with one of my favorite dudes, Anthony Delia.
2: Oh, dude, I Who's know. Who's also an awesome if, artist. If that's... I know. I love his work. And um, I actually used... Uh, his CP Herrick stuff for my solo project. I used him on some button designs and a t-shirt design. Oh, cool! Um, I've I've loved his art since the beginning. He was like kind of he was in that period of like not wanting to show anybody at first and all that stuff. And I think he's still kind of shy about it. But Delia is one of my favorite people in the world, and that was one of the. I mean, there were um, so many amazing things about being on Atlantic. Don't get me wrong, Um, but that was one of my number one things because I had known him for years before that. And I was so excited that we were going to actually get to work on something together. And it was so fun. And, and yeah, he was like, he's the best. He still is.
1: You would love this dude. He's, I'm not
3: familiar with
1: him.
2: He's
3: a, or his name sounds familiar,
1: but
2: I don't know what his, what his job is. He was our product manager back then, but I think he's, he wears a lot of hats. Yeah. Um, over at Atlantic. And I guess he, Kind of does it for Roadrunner and Warner now too. Yeah, Roadrunner. But you go,
1: everyone there, you know, his offices, plaques, all this stuff. You go in his office, it's just empty. He's a minimalist. Just like a like a plant and like a desk that's empty with like a computer and that's it. And it's like it's so calming.
3: Yeah. So he's a designer. He's does a bunch of different stuff. I think um, he does like.
2: I don't know. He it's would like, never call himself. Yeah, I, sure. It's like, but does yeah. he
3: have a hand in designing someone's um, record?
2: I don't think so. No, uh, I think okay, so he does more like yeah, I don't, yeah, product
1: manager. Like okay. I, I, it's one of those sort of terms where it's like, is at a major label. Like all these people have jobs I don't
2: understand. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> he's one of those people that I think if you asked anyone at that label, because he, first of all, he was there before Circa even existed. So I'm gonna say that he's probably been there for at least 15 years, yeah. maybe longer. And he's weathered the storm of the the industry's changes the dude i think to most people at that company they would say he's indispensable um, he's their swiss
3: army knife
2: pretty much yeah okay you know and and also because the bands fucking love him right and you know if it were up to me like i'd bring him on to everything and i i would i would have stayed there if he would have said please stay here (laughs) i would probably be like
0: (laughs) okay (laughs) because i just love him that much yeah um, gotcha
2: yeah he's just super knowledgeable about all kinds of stuff i I love his uh i love his tastes in music i think he he has a genuine just amazing um you know gut instinct for what's good and what is what has integrity Mm -hmm. you know what i mean he can kind of see through shit that's bullshit like immediately um but also i think he knows if something's just catchy He's just, he's very, just, he's a great person to bounce ideas off of, and I love hearing his opinions on things.
1: Definitely. I mean, why did you guys sort of decide, the new record's on Sumerian? Yeah. How did you, obviously, yeah, so Atlantic to self-releasing, obviously sort of like the biggest gap you can do. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Why did you decide not to try that again, just to try something new, or? Yeah, well... Basically it was like this. It seems like it would be a lot of work to self-release also. It was a
2: ton of it was a ton of work. Um, it was also a ton of work for our management at the time. It was uh I mean it was we it was a there was a lot that we learned but it was also a total victory. Like we wound up coming off of a major label um, you know this worldwide conglomerate that is Atlantic and all the things they're connected to. And coming off and putting out a record with, like, such a small budget and putting it out ourselves, self-producing, and then seeing the biggest increase in live sales we've ever had. And, like, the biggest kind of, like, surge of fans that we've ever seen, like, market, you know, like, whoa, we just did something that, like a huge, gigantic, multi-million dollar company couldn't do for us. You know what I mean? They pushed us on the radio. They tried to... You know, we're just... We learned a big lesson about ourselves as we're not a band that can be forced on people's throats. You know, people have to discover us and they have to... We're not a band that if you hear us on the radio, you're going to immediately love or even understand or, like, want to buy a record from. You know, that's not the band we are. And I think... It just brought us so much closer to understanding more about who we were as a band um but i think going to sumerian was kind of an accident um we we changed managements again um and that's another thing i kind of like it's always hard to let go of people you work with um and and kind of move on but one thing i am kind of proud of in our band is that we've made a lot of hard decisions um, at the right times in our career, I think. And I think a lot of bands and probably all kinds of people through all types of industry, because of loyalty, will stay in a situation that's toxic or just not right for them. And I think with us, you know, it's always been like, we have very personal relationships with the people we work with, but we also know at the end of the day when something is just about, our career and just about what's right for us personally, you know? So, um, sorry to get sidetracked. Basically we start looking at, um, distribution offers to self-release again for this record. And, um, as we're doing that, we get basically solicited, (laughs) um, to actual straight up record deals, like out of nowhere that we didn't even ask for. We asked for, you know, distribution models, but because so many real labels are doing distribution deals now because they're all trying to adapt and change and whatever, I guess they just thought, what the hell? And like through a couple, you know, very, it was, we were just immediately taken back by how interesting the deals were. They were just set up in totally different ways. It seemed like more business partnerships than like, here's the band, here's the label. They were just kind of interesting. And once that happened, it kind of opened the floodgates. And we were like, all right, fuck it. Like, let's just take offers and see what happens. So we just basically let anybody who was interested in pitching us an offer do it. And it was just, it was crazy. I mean, we at this point in our career, I just wouldn't have expected, like, you know, we had everything from small indies to to majors again, like, throwing us these crazy deals and it's like as a band that is every record selling less because of you know i mean that's just the trend but like right we're not we're by no means a multi-platinum band but they you know it was just kind of like reassuring that oh even though we sell less records, all these people know what the deal is. They all know that, that that's just the, the the trend in physical music now. And they're looking at our live numbers. They're looking at like, you know, how loyal our fans are and how it grows every year and all that stuff. And um, yeah, the our lawyer, you know, who's, a, who's in, in another new edition, was just kind of like, you know, he's like, I've, I feel deals for like super like hot, like new bands and i've done it for like super old like long-standing bands he's like i'm telling you right now like right now what you're getting offered from these labels is absurd he's like (laughs) they're crazy he's like so (laughs) let's talk about what the best ones are and like he basically every time there is like a dollar amount he'd be like there's this many reasons why you should take this (laughs) you know and he's basically like He's like, this is a, a win-win. Like, there's no way for you to lose in the situation. And then once we got around to the Sumerian deal, it was really interesting because um, we had known Ash for a long time. You know, he's been in bands over the years, and he was actually in a band with our drummer at one point many, many years ago. And um, and he had booked the band early on um, to do shows. So we had a longstanding relationship, relationship with him personally, but then we we know like Chino and guys from crosses and we know, uh, animals as leaders and a few other people that are assigned to the label. And we just kind of talked to them about it. And they were like, it's really cool. And like, and Chino was straight up like, if I could bring the deaf tones here, I would like, you know, like we're in contract elsewhere, but like, that's how good it's been, you know? So we were just like, fuck it. You know, we also liked that It was kind of left to, feel for us like you know oh like this weird like heavy like kind of like metal label um and they're very interested in broadening out you know they're kind of like they're seeing us as like a flagship band like oh if we bring you guys aboard it's just another drop in the bucket of like we have this weird cool rock band and it's gonna help us sign more weird cool rock bands and we don't expect you guys to sell a million records and we don't expect you guys to have a radio hit but who knows maybe down the road like you'll be the reason that some band that eventually does have some out of nowhere radio hit or sells a million records you'll be the reason why they signed to us you know like and they're very straightforward about that kind of thinking they're they're very strategic and i think we were drawn to their their honesty we were drawn to the fact that they're indie but also that they had tons of money to throw around and for us it was kind of like we would be absolute fools to walk away from this a one record deal that we have no like and and then like i think the only thing tying us to them after that was if we sell a hundred thousand copies in less than 12 months then we get first option for a second record we're like dude if you sell a hundred (laughs) thousand records in less than 12 months we will totally do another record like (laughs) Like, that's insane (laughs) first of all i don't think that's gonna happen but they have sold a, a ton of records way more than we thought and you know i mean it's been nothing but a pleasure so far you know they've never tried to push it you know we have we have full creative control our record was done before we even signed to them so they basically essentially bought our record that we had already made and that's the kind of relationship They're interested in with us. They have no interest in meddling or changing us or doing anything. It's a dream scenario. You know what I mean? So... that's the the story with that that's awesome I mean sort of getting
1: to the self-releasing and sort of kind of like I deal with this I'm sure you guys deal with this with your art like I'm sure self-releasing was a lot of work like the promotion and stuff I feel like that's what I struggle with a lot too like I like making stuff Mm -hmm. but I'm like even when I put out a podcast it's like all right, now I have to spend like go on Instagram and do this thing and then tweet Mm -hmm. about it and I hate doing that and I feel like it takes up so much time when I could be making other stuff but Mm -hmm. I know I have to do it otherwise I'm creating it in this kind of vacuum
3: yeah, and you're you're producing things as far as the podcast goes. Anyways, you're producing things that took time and took. You're not actually even doing it for yourself. You're doing it for Colin. You're doing it from Lamb of God, dude. Right. Who spent time doing it. So it's like t- it's part of the. To me, I look at it. He like, spent
1: hard time doing
3: it. Yeah, that's right. Good one. <laughs> Sorry. There's the Joni.
1: Where's the digital drum set?
0: <laughs> <laughs> boom boom. Right, go ahead. You know what I mean. So it's almost so like good. in
3: that kind of regard. You're actually you're doing it as a service to the person who you were interested in enough to get in here, right? You know what I mean. So, but even with the band
1: stuff, like even with like the web series I did with my sure, sister, sure. like I know I have to do that, and I, it's not like I'm like, ugh, I hate this, but yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it does take a lot of energy, Yes. And that's not why I like to do stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I I've stopped. I know you have. Well, my you,
3: my presence on Instagram and Twitter is super low, just because. Well, because I'm lucky enough to just not really be working with anybody. You know what I mean? So the against me machine doesn't need my help. You know what right. I mean? Like you and Ozzy and the five people that follow me already <laughs> know that the fucking record is out. You right, I mean? right, right. So it's like I don't even need to play anymore. But you've you always know?
1: had kind of an enigmatic kind of persona, persona Anyway, sure. The Stick Mountain
3: bit was, is definitely like a character. You know what I mean? On purpose in public. I don't have uh, Christopher Norris fucking Facebook. I don't have a Christopher Norris Instagram. It's all Steak Mountain garbage. You know what I mean? So on purpose, just because I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I just never really felt the need to, you know what I mean? That's awesome. But it's also embarrassing at this point to be like, so, uh, you know, you just meet somebody normal. You know, yeah. you're having a conversation, like, oh, are you on Instagram? I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, it's Steak Mountain. <laughs> should i fucking register christopher norris (laughs) because it is embarrassing to us you know it's like being in a it's like being a 45 year old in a band called green day you know what i mean it's like you get lopped into a a thing you know what i mean something really stupid that you named yourself when you were a fucking 15 year old you know what i mean so for me it's totally get that but also what you're saying is true is like i i actually had uh, i i was going to retire being an artist this year that was actually my bit yeah i was just going to stop all together as far as the art i'm known for
2: right so there's no money in re- it reinvent or no it's well, what are you thinking
3: what What happened was was this is that i was just gonna stop cold because that who fucking cares sure you know what i mean right out the year with the bandwidth against me and maybe do a couple like friendship projects you know if like you hit me up again or somebody like that i was right. like yeah i'll do something you know what i mean but but my plan was to just stop it entirely because a lot of the joy of it is gone um I don't actually really like a lot of the bands that I work with. Sure, a- as bands, you know Absolutely. what I mean. Like I'm, Absolutely. I'm not putting on against me records. Yeah, because I'm a fucking cool punk who loves sure. fucking against me. I do it because I'm. I've been friends with Laura for ten years. Yeah, and it was like set a precedent. We kind of got lopped together ten years ago, and it's been this great. It's it's G Voucher and Crass. Totally. You know what I mean? It's Pusshead and Metallica. Absolutely. You know what I mean? that's like my role with the band and every band that I've worked with as offshoots has been almost like uh you know it's just been kind of like the gravy of that sure you know what i mean so with my thought was was that like i'm kind of tired i'm tired of playing the game i'm tired of playing the fucking the public game because the character that character wears me out (laughs) you know what i mean Uh and then also it was just like i don't know as i get older my problem is is that like i don't necessarily make art for the joy of making art sure i didn't come at it like that it's not a relaxing thing. It's not a release to me. I don't sit at home at night going, "Man, I really I'm super depressed. I really need to make some art." Yeah. Which I make I'm not making fun of anybody who does that. No, some people's me, connection I, I don't do it. with <laughs> art is it makes me depressed when I do it. Yeah, right, exactly. You know what I mean? But like that connection to it is like uh is was never which is why I've been able to like take it and leave it over the years. When I left fucking, I was like in a performing arts high school. Yeah. When I left the performing arts high school, I was like, okay, I'm not going to make art anymore because I don't really fucking care. I'm going to be in shitty bands and travel the world and watch movies because that's what I like to do. Yeah. So then I was like, well, fuck it. You know what I mean? And then when I had to do it again, it just kind of steamrolled. And then there was a point in time where I put a lot of effort into it. And I was like, well, this might actually turn out. Yeah. And my peers of, you know, people who at the same time did a lot of st- the same stuff I did, um, have a certain drive that i don't necessarily have sure you know what i mean like i'm not trying i'm not I've never really tried i apparently i didn't try hard enough you know what <laughs> I mean and then at some point in time when it became like when money was all right, you know what I mean against yeah. me being one of those bands that signed to a major label at the time where you still could get a lot of money and sure. pay everybody on your fucking crew insane I used to get five hundred dollars a t-shirt you know what i mean when the van was on thing not not to say that they're not paying me a lot now yeah but what i am saying is that that notion is fucking stupid yeah but also doesn't exist anymore you know what i mean so it's like it couldn't possibly exist even though t-shirt prices are more expensive now yeah but anyways um you know what i mean why well, am i getting you, that money because you have
2: so many you have so many designers that Oh, man, I don't want to talk shit. Um, do it. Oh. I I dude, love it. If, if we're going to go down dude, that if road, you're with I Christopher, you have to you. talk shit. Yeah. Well, I'm I love <laughs> I I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, Adventures in Design podcast. I don't know if you ever checked it out, but uh,
3: I know Mark, it, but I don't think I've ever listened to, to from,
2: it. Is that the dude from in Kindles? Yeah, Mark Burkey's. Uh, so okay. I've been on there a few times and and just that podcast in general has so like it helps me. You would love this, right? Yeah, told me about out. this. when yeah. he was. On. You would love this thing because it's so many designers just basically venting and being like, "Yeah, this was what sucks about it. This is what's awesome about it." But this ultimately, this is why we do it and all the stuff. But um, you know, I think the problem is is that you have so many companies running design contests and getting free work, and then you have fucking young people that learned how to like put one little stupid filter on on a Mm -hmm. photo and like that all of a sudden that's every shirt they make and they're willing to do that for 50 bucks Yeah, and then what band you know you have so many bands that essentially don't even care about their aesthetic so you have basically this this kind of like culture that's happened where it's like bad art getting pushed on T-shirts that sell to people that don't give a shit of whether or not it's bad art or not, mm-hmm. and essentially it's just a t-shirt, and then it gets you know donated to Salvation Army or yeah, whatever yeah. and whatever you know, and then you're a-
3: laughing about it five years later when you're flipping through the racks and you go, I'll oh, cool my shirt! Yeah. It's a dollar."
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so it, it, it's been interesting to to kind of talk to other bands that you know, trust me, we have our share of bad shirts, but we do take a certain pride in in our visual aesthetic and uh, we've met other bands that are kind of similar in that way. And we are a band that's willing to pay for it. And, and there, and there are, there are bands out there that are willing to do that, that are, that take it very like, Oh, this is important to us. We're willing to pay for it. Um, You know, but it's tough, dude. And like for me, especially being on the other side of it, you know, I had my share of dealing with horrible shit because just, even, like, two years ago, when I was doing gig posts for for people, I'm not saying, hey, this is Colin from Circa, survive, like, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying, hey, you know, I'd love to do a poster for your band or whatever. And most of the time, I'm talking to management or some other person that I'm getting filtered through. Yeah. And just dealing with people that don't want to fucking spend a dime, but they're ready to take the profit yeah. at any given moment. Oh, you know, course. the music industry is so all about, like, Getting money uh, for free. You yeah. know what I mean? Basically, take advantage of a fan, take advantage of whoever, as long as at the end of the day, we're collecting some more money. Like, you know, oh, you're going to sell posters? Um, as long as we don't have to put anything into it. And at the end of the night, we take half. That's mm-hmm. cool. Like, half or more, you know? Like, so it's just a crazy, I can completely understand being burnt out on that. And yeah. I think that's kind of what I was getting at in the beginning of like, shit it's really really hard when at the end of the day you're you're just really needing to please a client or needing to make something that's going to sell um and, and it, it's hard and you know even for me like i our, our art has definitely been like that even fine art you know where back when i um back when i was i was married and i had some really tough times financially where i was like you know, my ex-wife was out of a job and like I was pulling all the weight at a certain point. And then Circa was in a, a down cycle and I wasn't bringing in a lot of money. And I was in like this midway point of my art career where I could like, I could hustle, I could do a shitload of commissions that fucking drained my soul, like stuff that I hated, but I could draw it for people and they'd be stoked about it. Mm-hmm. Or like, um, design work. I would just, I piled on everything, design work, commissions, and then I would do prints of all my, of all my paintings and just everything. And I just, all it was about was making that extra two grand a month that I had to make otherwise what the fuck am I gonna do? Ask yeah. my parents to, yeah. to help me out? Like I would never. I I like was like no. Like that's the reason why I don't have a regular job is because I am able to to not ask my parents for help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would never be able to be like a, a pseudo punk rock whatever artist and be like oh yeah, and my parents helped me pay for stuff. Yeah, they stuff. hooked it up. Yeah, <laughs> like like how could I? I can't do that. So for me. It, once i would hit that point you know that would be time to like roll it back and i and i remember after my first solo show as a painter which the opening night was like amazing right like had like a line around the block yeah that's awesome all my all my friends helped me put it together like my my ex-wife was there like working with me um you know all my friends like helping me put it all together install the show so much work like just crazy crazy like didn't sleep for a month you know and opening night just so many people were there and it was awesome but but nothing sold like and which is something i learned eventually is like opening night most things don't sell no night. and <laughs>
3: truthfully the the you know if there's 100 people for are actually looking at the work
2: yeah you know what i mean everybody's there to kind of hang out, out and get the
3: vibe and see oh yeah whatever i'll come back tuesday
2: so I'll i look spent at the work. half of that night sitting in a car crying my eyes out you know just being like <laughs> not to I'm, mean to laugh I, at you but you know, no, <laughs> i laugh at you yeah, now yeah. but i'm like i couldn't even just I, I couldn't have that moment i couldn't have that like oh i just did something right you know yeah. what i mean i and like this is a gallery that like i was their, i was kind of their guinea pig i was their first solo show in their new space but they just put on like nose goes solo show like and a, a few other like huge artists have worked there now i mean they're they're just like this place is really cool. They've brought an amazing um kind of like that I guess you could call it like uh lowbrow like the high fructose juxtaposed art world into Philly and have really kept it going. So they they've done amazing stuff. It's huge to have that like that experience. That I did a solo show there and I had the whole gallery to myself and and eventually all the work sold. Like it was it was awesome, but like I never had that moment where I just like enjoyed it and just was like, wow, like I'm proud of myself. Yep. No, never. No. You know, and, and even my, my last show, I did a show, um, in San Francisco. Like I've only lived in the Bay area for, you know, not even a year. And I was able to get this show, this pretty cool little spot in San Francisco. And, um, you know, what gallery, um, it's called campfire, uh, really cool. And, uh, it, I mean, to be able to show anywhere in San Francisco is, it was just awesome. You know what I mean? I mean, my friend who, who um, does a lot with art out there and, and has curated and done stuff was just like, a lot of artists can't show anywhere here. Like, it's awesome that you did this. And I was just kind of like, okay, cool. But like, um, you know, and I worked tireless. I was just like killing myself to get like 12 paintings together. I had like uh not even a three month break between being on tour and being home. And I was just, at it every day, doing it, and my OCD just kicked in like crazy <laughs> uh, towards the end, and I was just, I was really having trouble, like, 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 just putting the pieces in the in the gallery and being like, okay, like, I, I had a, a brush, I had a few things like in my pocket, and I was like touching up like as they're on the wall, and like just freaking out, mm-hmm. freaking out, mm-hmm. and I like. So eventually the the, the gallery uh, owner and curator was just like was just like um, I'd rather you not do it like everything looks great like just step back yeah. like you need to just go home. Sure. I hit, I'm like okay and then like two days later I email him I'm like hey so I wanted to swing by like I know <laughs> we have a couple of days and he's like uh, I'm busy you can't come in <laughs> and he was, he knew You're fucking what I, crazy he, artist he knew what I was trying to do. <laughs> so uh, a couple of days later we have the opening and I go there and like I literally came to the opening with paint, Mm -hmm. a brush, and, and like, a couple acrylic markers, like, in my pocket, ready to do, like, this crazy, like, just, like, one-man operation, like, going real quick before the doors open, like, whatever. (laughs) Like, and I'm like, this is fucked up. Like, I'm, I have problems. What am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm sitting there, like, trying to plan this out, you know? Yeah. But I as i get there and i walk in and i look at the work i'm just like holy shit it looks awesome you know like like i like i (laughs) I, took i took like five it took five days of me not looking at it like i'm fucking ready to pop a pimple in the Mm -hmm. mirror Mm -hmm. you know but like eventually i was like oh wow and my girlfriend was just like see just fucking relax like like it looks great you know and like it was the first time ever, um, you know, in probably, I don't know, eight years making art, showing art, doing whatever that I actually just like, I knew, I knew, don't worry about selling work, just have fun and talk to people tonight. And like, that's all I did. And I had a great time and it was amazing and I felt good. And yeah, that was the first time. That's the first time. But it, like you said, it takes experience yep. and it takes mindfulness. Like you have to remind yourself over and over again, yeah. it is unhealthy at, when you're doing it on at least a semi-professional level and that is what your day is made up of and it's not just a weekend thing and it's something that you're building your life around this in one way or the other. You have to take that moment. You have to feel good about it. You have to just be like, because otherwise, dude, like, I think about it and I'm like, I spend so many hours doing this shit If I'm, if it's not making me happy and I'm like, and like, these are hours that I could be playing with our, our animals. I could be hanging out with my girlfriend. Like we could be, I mean, (laughs) luckily enough, she's artistic too. So like she'll hang out with me and we'll make stuff together and whatever. But like, you know, there's just a lot of time that you could be doing other stuff. Um, So if you don't have that moment of like, this is why I do it, you know, just some kind of understanding of that. What's the point? You're just torturing yourself otherwise, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I like to find different ways to just, like, negate it. I'm like, ugh, people only like this because they love Jeff. Or, like, I'm sure, same with, like, Anthony. <laughs> oh, or, God, don't even get me started, <laughs> dude. Or, like, you know, even the web series. I'm like, well, people love my sister. It's like, I, but it's like, you're like, no, these people want you to be, or people just like my stuff because they love against me. Though, but, but it's, it's like, people, these people want you involved for a reason.
2: yeah, yeah yeah well that's the no, Bricky, um the guy that does the adventures in the design he, he just always talks about that he's like he's like yeah people are just showing up at your shows because they think you're nice guys right like you know like <laughs> right yeah you couldn't possibly have anything of value you know and it's like that is that thing that i think all of us going through i think again like punk rock academy you you have to tell yourself that you're nothing special and you tell yourself that like don't pat yourself on the back. You don't need it. Like, like none of this shit matters. And, um, you know, I think to an extent, I think that, uh, that, that is a lot better than being David Lee Roth, you know, right, and right, and be like, right. hell yeah. Everybody right. should be sucking my dick right now. Totally. But like, um, you know, I think that eventually it can really take a toll on you. And I do have a hat that says, Where's Anthony that I wear outside <laughs> the show sometimes? Cause like people are like, What's your most frequently asked question? I'm like, Where's Anthony? <laughs> you know, and like and then like I have another joke with my one friend. Every time I'm cropped out of a photo on Instagram that I know I was in, I like send him a screenshot of it. And I was like, expendable. Hashtag expendable. <laughs> Hashtag where's Colin. But like uh Yeah, it's just you know, you can't care about that stuff. You right. know, and ultimately at the end of the day i and i this is a hundred percent honest not a cop-out i could never put up with what he puts up with you know um he's just so patient with people and like has to talk to so many people every night and like i mean there's a reason why i'm not a lead singer you know what i mean and there's a reason why i always wanted to have a real lead singer in a band that i was in like someone who could really embody that and he is that naturally that is him and there are parts of that that you know will drive you fucking bananas (laughs) because the dude is always on right know, he's he's a ham by nature and like but ultimately all that stuff is like really he's using everything about his personality that is natural for like the best thing possible and like ultimately at the end of the day like he makes so many people feel good and like and at the end of the day he never once would say i deserve more than you like we all take an equal cut in the band you know like that's just another thing i think that's helped keep us together for over a decade now it's like even even though there are times that any one of us could be like oh i do this more than you or i've i wrote this and you didn't write that just being all in like five way split from the beginning this is what we're going to do was the smartest thing we've ever done. Even though there have always been times, I'm sure throughout the whole career, that any one of us could be like, oh, that was a dumb idea, you know? But like, (laughs) eventually, over time, you realize, oh, wow, like, we all, like, it's this ebb and flow of like, on this record, this person really pulled extra weight. On this record, this person really, like, needed to take a step back, whatever. And we're just a team like that. And it's been awesome, like, to realize that, even know someone like, like, it makes you feel good on the days so that like, you know, when we do go back in the van, cause we go, we'll do bus sometimes, we'll do van sometimes. And like, say we're in the van and like, you know, Anthony's just sleeping. Cause like he doesn't drive, you know? And it's not that he's like, I'm not driving. We're like, you can't drive <laughs> because you have no attention span, but like, you know, you don't have that moment where you're like, oh, this motherfucker doesn't drive, you know? You're like, but he does so much does so much for the band and you know you can sit back and think that about every other person in the band i love that like it makes me feel so like shit i'm with the right people like and i'm you know just lucky like i love feeling lucky and then at the end of the day especially in a collaborative experience it's so rare dude most of the time (laughs) Most of the time, you just want to kill everybody. You know what I mean? That's
3: why I stopped being in fucking bands. Dude, I mean,
2: (laughs) you know, and that was kind of like, Circa was born out of that feeling of like, oh shit. Like, even my previous band, The Stay Forward, like, I still talk to all those guys. I still love them. Like, I love some of them even more now that we're not in a band together, (laughs) you know? But that's the thing. Like, we just couldn't do it. We didn't have the right collaborative skills. We didn't have the right, like leadership skills like we just couldn't do it but circa for whatever reason we just have every component to be able to pull off anything by ourselves with or without management with or without like booking agents all that stuff those people help us endlessly and i would never take away the work they do but ultimately at the end at the end of the day circa is like a self-ran machine and we know what to do in, in almost any circumstance and i don't know it's fucking rare and I every day I'm like, man, this is amazing. This is so wild, you know, that we actually built this together on our own. We're all still here, like over a decade later. Crazy, crazy. All the same members. All the same members. Yeah, just nuts.
3: it is fucking nuts. It's
2: yeah, and bigger than it's ever. It's awesome. I was going to say, it sounds weird. so
3: lucky because you never, you never really, you don't hear that very often.
2: Yeah, you, yeah.
3: I find yeah. in all the bands that I've worked with or friends that have been in bands there's always the, you know, oh, that motherfucker
2: you yeah. know there's always a, that yeah.
3: motherfucker in every band yeah you know but and especially cool.
2: in this stage of a career i think is when you real like at, at 10 years if it, first of all that's rare but if they do make it to 10 years there's usually some serious bitterness sure. at a certain point you yeah, know absolutely. because especially when you get into the point where people have real lives and they have like kids and people are married and divorced and bills and fucking everything that comes along with real life you know once you're in your 30s and shit and and on it's like you know <laughs> the other day I, I had to do an interview uh because we we're going to chile for the first time and he was just like the guy was like what has changed since you put out juturna and i was like that's our first record and i was <laughs> yeah. like well well everything <laughs> uh we were children when we put that out and now uh, our singer has three children <laughs> so it's like well a lot's changed um, it's like I got married influences. I got divorced <laughs> um, you know like th- you could just name so many things that happened um, but ultimately it's like yeah it's uh, that's one of those really trippy things that every day I'm like I'm flashing back to like our first record which doesn't even seem that long ago but it's like fuck we were little babies but somehow those little babies made some good decisions and here we are
1: alright that was Colin Frangicetto and Steak Mountain if you want to check out Colin's artwork go to c- colinfrangicetto.com c-o-l-i-n-f-r-a-n-g-i-c-e-t-t-o and it is the digital home of a visual artist and musician named Colin according to the site um, and also, yeah, Steak Mountain's site is, I think, just Steak Mountain. You can find it. And Colin is on Twitter at, at Colin Circa. So you won't have to spell his last name. Um, <laughs> or pronounce it. Or pronounce it. <laughs> or mispronounce it.
0: Um, so yeah, so that was a fun convo. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, fantastic. I'm glad that, you know, we have good guest hosts, I gotta say. Yes. So I don't feel so bad about being an absent professional Yes,
1: um, we've had some amazing guest hosts. Uh, Steak Mountain's always good. There's um, some coming up, I think, with Jeff Rosenstock. Brian Cook is always great. Um, who else? Benny, of course. Gotta ben- get Benny back. Gotta get Benny Everybody back. Everybody I- loves Benny. I think Gaslight...
0: You ever see that show? No. It's a good one. Everybody loves
1: Benny. Sounds good. Yeah, I think, um, I think Gaslight gets back from tour soon. I think they're doing festivals in Europe now. But I'm sure we'll have Benny back in here when... They're not on tour, um, so I feel sort of crazy.
0: You <laughs> <laughs> Still jet lagged.
1: Yeah, I'm still after super, that podcast. Yeah, I'm still. I still do feel super jet lagged. Um, it's hard for me to sleep, s- just sitting in a chair. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, on a plane. On a plane. I know. I feel like I've lost that ability. I think I used to be able to do it. Me I don't too. know what's happened.
1: Me too. I even had like a neck pillow. I had the eye mask. I had all the accessories. Yeah, and it's I used like, to be
0: able to do it, man. I just can't. Yeah, I've got a flight coming up an overnight soon. Oh, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. Just sleep the next day, I guess. I think you just need drugs.
1: I think that's the answer.
0: For everything, I guess. Yeah, that yeah. is
1: the answer. Just drugs. Drugs are the answer.
0: Should we get, we, should we get a drug sponsor?
1: <laughs> we should get a, a Bayer pharmaceutical <laughs> sponsor.
0: So, go to Colorado and buy drugs. <laughs> Sponsored by Colorado Drugs.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm sure that they, des- work. they desperately need us. Uh, yeah, if you like the podcast, um, leave us a nice comment on iTunes. Um, go to goingofftrack.com. You can donate a dollar, help us pay for our server costs. Um, or you can just send us an email saying you like us or you don't like us. Just let us know that you're actually out there listening in the in the void, in the void. Cause it feels right now like it's just me and Brad so, talking into microphones, so staring lonely. at each other.
0: So lonely. It's
1: very lonely here. Hello.
0: Hello. Um, Hello. And
1: yeah, <laughs> check out the circa. Check out circa this fall on their anniversary tour. Um, buy some Collins art. Um, support local artists, and we will see you next week. Bye.